glass, so DJ turn me up. DJ turn me up. I like my music loud, so DJ turn me up. DJ turn me up. I like my music loud, so DJ turn me up. DJ turn me up. I like my music loud, so DJ turn me up. DJ turn me up. Trying to get hit, musical loudest, nigga but hits If I hop on it, then do what you get I just go in like the fit of a switch I come to party, trying to get hit Musical loudest, nigga but hits If I hop on it, then do what you get I just go in like the fit of a switch It's Christmas week, ladies and gentlemen, or if you want to call it that, it's December 20th, 2020, Sunday, December 20th, 2020, the week of Christmas. We are nearing four days left until Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. It's good to be back here on this episode of Kicking It with the motherfucking King, baby. We are back. We are back, baby. It's episode 312 of Kicking It with King. It's good to be back. It's your host, Gabriel Hernandez. Join you here as always. It wouldn't be the show without yours truly. Are you guys ready? Um, I'm non-committable, nor am I certain that this will be the last episode of 2020. It does seem like a far stretch nearing the thinking about the fact that we have about, let me see, 1, 2, 5, 6, 7, 8. 11 more days left of 2020. How much crazier can this year get within the last 11 days? Now, I don't know if we're going to ha- not have one more episode because knowing me, I like to break barriers. Knowing me, I like to do lots of different things and talk about lots of different things. So a lot of shit happens, not because we're t- not like in the MMA world and just in the world in general. So it's impossible not to want to talk about certain things. Um, I feel like this episode's long overdue. It's good to be back. You don't hear the neighboring, the neighbor's construction going on next door. Mainly like the beeping of the, what is it called? Um, bobcats and shit like that. I guess the neighbors are having some, uh, some dirt laid down in their house and stuff. And it's gated and stuff like that. And they're Mexican people. I don't know what the race had to do with any of that. But um, yeah, so like I said, it's good to be back. Um, I do feel like we have two more episodes left in this year. So it'll be this one, and then there'll be one following that. So, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I do have to break some news down for you guys and break some things for you. Um, For episode 313, I have secured and very, very fortunate to be joined by this guest, um, this man. You know, he's um, obviously a founder, if you've ever heard of the app Forecaster Fight. At Forecaster Fight on Twitter, he is the founder and creator of the Forecaster Fight app. Um, have you guys, you guys know the Verdict MMA app, right? Where you um, predict fights, the round, the method, the way. 
round one, round two, round three, you know, knockout, TKO, decision, draw. I don't know what the fuck else you want me to say, but yeah, so he's a founder of Forecaster Fight app. Ashwin, his name is Ashwin. He goes by the name of Ashwin. Um, I don't know if he had his, has his own podcast as well, but we'll have to ask him. But he is officially coming on our show for the final episode of 2020. Yeah, it's not going to be with just me. We're going to be joined by a lovely guest great one um he hails out of india so a south uh bengal bengalru south india so um, a little bit of a time shift like you know the um what's it called you know the time zone so we had to set something out um i do believe if i'm not mistaken it's gonna be 11 p.m. his time. Well, it's like 11, 10 p.m. or something like that. Let me look back at the messages. But yeah, we're. I wanted to see real quick just before, just because I'm genuinely curious. So, oh, so it's 1:52 a.m. So if I do the show with him at 10 a.m. tomorrow, it's gonna be 1:52 a.m. there. So, ooh, Jesus Christ, you know, gotta you know, give a shout out to Ashwin for uh, being able to uh, stay up that long and talk anything. Talk everything fighting, talk everything coronavirus, talk everything. There's just anything about everything. You know, how is situations doing out in India? I mean, the fact that there's a lot of cases going on in the world. You know, there's a lot of shit to talk about. I told him we're an open-minded podcast. There's no specific way to talk about anything or be about anything. Just talk about whatever, open-minded. Whatever comes to your mind and it's interesting as a topic, just, just bring it to. You know, like I said, just, you know, I'm excited. I'm it's been a while since I've had a guest on. We've had a couple of near misses when it comes to guests, as in like we've talked about getting certain guests or getting certain people to be able to come on the show. That hasn't materialized. Materialize. I can't say that word right. God damn it. Materialize. Materialize. Hey Siri, how do you say the word materialize? Materialized. Materialized. Is that right? What does material materialized mean? Wait, wait. No. How about this? Let's stop pronouncing. Let's probably cut out the last thirty seconds of this fucking show, and let's just say it hasn't fallen into place. Like I've scheduled, I've had guests on, or I've had people on early on in the show. Early, 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 like, let's date back probably about three years or so. You know, I had, like, uh, a lot of different people on in the fight world. But it's now I've been dreading. I've been waiting, and I've been honestly waiting just to get somebody like this on. Very interesting, very interesting uh, uh, take on the sport. Very interesting social media as well you can follow him over on social media as well because i'm not only promoting him promoting promoting a show promoting everybody not just me the show as well so at o m n i s h w i n o minishwin really interesting take uh open-minded obviously as this is uh You know, he has a strong presence and obviously, like I said, uh, very well known in the world of MMA, 
at least in the MMA community, you know, uh, MMA Twitter is very popular. It's an underrated thing. A lot of people don't look at it. If you haven't looked at MMA Twitter, I guarantee you get on that train, boy. Hashtag MMA Twitter on there as well. And just since we're in this mode already, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at KWTKPod, as well as G the King Official on Instagram, G the King MMA on Twitter. I'm getting active on both accounts. I've noticed that. So I've been have I've been on Instagram a lot more. I've been on Twitter a lot more, and my screen time, goodness fucking gracious, you can nearly do a whole fucking shift with the amount of screen time that I had. Do you want to know how much screen time? Oh my god, let's pull out, let me pull out my phone, let me see, because it's like, it was wild. It was like the other day, it, it just told me, um, what is it? Where the fuck do you find the screen time at? Oh, I think it's in settings, it's for the Apple you have to go in here. Let me go. Settings. Screen time. Screen time. Baby. Screen time. Screen. It's, it's kind of depressing, though, to be honest with you. If we have screen time. Because, like, damn, is that really what I do with my life? Look at screen time. I'll get on my phone and, like, like get on my phone and, what is it called? Look at the amount of time I've been on my fucking phone for. Jesus Christ. Oh, screen time's uh automatically on the side so if you go scroll all the way to the right it says so far two hours and 32 minutes okay so today it's two hours and 52 minutes um social media has been one hour and 42 minutes Pro productivity and finance 13 percent and 11 minutes food and shopping so they calculate all that so how do they like when you buy doordash or you use an app that is based out of that you know like a, you know what i mean like say you use an app that has to do with food like a doordash like a grubhub or uber eats and stuff they count that that's kind of crazy i mean it helps you keep better track and shit like that but um whatever i guess but uh, anyways guys we're here to talk about the fights because we were able to watch the fights i did pass out <laughs> this is gonna sound so so bad right now i almost said it just with no nerve at all but i fell asleep during like during like the third round of the jeff neal versus wonder boy thompson fight i was we were already partying by that time i was smoking uh we had a couple of beers and, the, and whatnot um and I don't know. I mean, I watched the uh, the Pettis fight was great. I thought that was an amazing performance. What a way to exit the UFC. Oh, well, essentially exit on your last fight. That was his last fight on his contract. You know, there's no word on whether or not Showtime Pettis is going to, like, return and become the, you know, obviously, like, re-sign with the UFC. I mean, knowing the fact that, you know, it's well noted now in the MMA world when fighters enter free agency in this day and age of the UFC with the Reebok deal, unable to get sponsors and, you know, being very strict on what they wear and stuff and the partnership with the UFC they have, um, they're not able to really generate their own sponsors or have all those sponsors on their logo, on on their um, shorts and shit like that. So, you know, notoriously Bellator has picked up a lot of uh, high caliber UFC talents like Ryan Bader, no, most recently Rumble Johnson, also most recently Yoel Romero in Benson Henderson's over there, Rory McDonald. 
I mean, Tito Ortiz went over there. Rampage went over there. I mean, they had Fedor Emelianenko. I know it wasn't UFC, uh, UFC fighter, but they have all these notables over there and still stands, in my opinion, as one of the modern-day strike forces. Obviously, it's ran by Scott Coker and everything. So, um, yeah. I mean, how the hell did we get in talking about Bellator? Like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, obviously, like I said, what Bellator is doing is very interesting. And, you know, obviously Sergio Pettis went over there, the brother of Anthony Pettis. And, you know, obviously interesting to see what Anthony goes from here. Um, a little couple clues. If you noticed in his post-fight interview yesterday, um, he did talk about wanting a rematch with Tony Ferguson. He talked about dropping back down 155 pounds. And a lot of people low-key kind of forgot, including myself, I kind of forgot that he was at 170 pounds. I mean, he had an amazing win over a very tough guy. I mean, Alex Morono did get the takedown early. You know, Anthony tried some crazy showtime kick or some shit like that. And then he was able to take advantage of that. Morono took him down. Um, he had his back. It looked kind of scary at one point in time. I mean, damn. Could you imagine Showtime losing that quickly in his last fight ever? I mean, it, it's a very interesting times nowadays because if you look at it, like the UFC's cutting up over uh, up to 60 plus people and you're on a losing streak or you're not looking that hot and, you know, when you cost too much money and you're not performing for the amount of money that you're being paid by the UFC, then unfortunately you're going to have to receive your walking papers and um, obviously that didn't happen with Showtime. I didn't think that was going to happen with them. Um, re really opened my eyes about Anthony was um, going back to the interview he had with Ariel Helwani. And you just hear him. And even Ariel Helwani noted before he started the show saying that, you know, he had never heard Anthony talk like that. And he was very intrigued and, you know, obviously very just shocked and wow, like this guy is for reals. I mean, obviously you can say that over and over and over. And, oh, Anthony Showtime's back or he's lost or he's done this or he's done that. But in reality, you don't know what goes on unless it's behind, like unless you're actually in the training room or unless you're behind the scenes and, and all this different things that happen in this crazy sport. So. I mean, Ariel noted it. I turned on the Ariel Hawani show while I was at my other job. And uh, I was just hearing him. I was like, dude, this guy sounds like he's in a different spot right now. It's a little little emotional like there. Like he said, he's talked to a sports psychologist that was a free service offered by the UFC. He took full advantage. You know, he, he just seemed to be in such a wonderful spot. And to see him perform the way he performed was absolutely amazing. That looked like classic showtime against a very tough up-and-coming guy, very dangerous guy. You know, in a lot of people's eyes, one of those guys that's designed to send Anthony Pettis walking and the walk with the walking papers one of those very tough guys that's on the rise and you know could be in contention in you know like not the near future but be one of those guys that, you know that stick around one of those younger guys that's designed to take out a veteran like that but no Anthony Pettis flipped the script it was an amazing performance by Anthony Pettis. He looked great. Um, Deron Wynn looked great as well. But let's let's stick on the Showtime train right now because that's what that's what making this topic hot. You know, he he looked like the classic Anthony Showtime Pettis. I mean, there was a couple times. There was that one time where I think he cracked Morono. And Morono went for the take. Or no, he hurt. Yeah, he hurt him a couple times. You know, with that spinning heel kick or spinning wheel kick too, as well. You know, a couple punches thrown landed. Um, 
definitely had Alex Morono on the back foot. Um, a couple more of those nasty shots landed, you know. Say it's a five-round fight, man. That could be a freaking dominant win for Showtime Pettis, you know. Um, Morono slowed down significantly throughout the fight. You know, obviously, you know, a lot of people would have pushed for him to initiate more forward pressure, more takedowns, and more takedown attempts, you know, attempted on Showtime because we have seen it in the past. That has been his fault. But Anthony also utilized his own wrestling in that fight as well and looked very good doing it. So, I mean, is this his last fight in the UFC? I don't know. I mean, I'm up for a rematch with Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson's down for it. But first things first, they got to negotiate a deal and or see if he's even going to end up being in the UFC. Because there's been guys that talked about, you know, fun fights and what they want to do next and then completely go left field. So completely going left field and, and what I'm referring to, meaning that he could go somewhere completely else he could talk about a rematch with ferguson he could talk about all these fun fights you know that that he could have you know obviously wanted to fight continuously at 155 but um it's interesting to see what he's going to do next um if i had to bet i'd say he you know he uh, you know a huge signing for bellator would be i mean if anthony pettis goes over to bellator could you imagine how big Bellator is going to get. I mean, Bellator 2021. I mean, if you look at the light heavyweight division, if you look at, um, let's see, I mean, more so the light heavyweight division because of the, the, the new additions of Romero and Anthony Johnson. So it's like, you know, these other organizations are getting these top tier guys. I mean, another top tier contender. Um, hey, Siri, how old is Anthony Pettis? Anthony Pettis is 33 years old. Wow, 33 years old, and you look at the amount of career, the career that he's had, and the fights he's had, and the historic, I mean, for a guy that's fought as long as he has, he's too young to be 33, in the fight world, I mean, he's too young, like, physically, like, you know, if you look at it, how long he's been fighting for, and his age, like, age 33, and how much fighting experience that he's had, it doesn't match up, it's almost like a guy who'd be, like, 37, or something like that, or 38, or four, even 40. I mean, a lot of people thought he was done after certain points in time, but, you know, Anthony Pettis, you know, shows why he's one of the true veterans and a Hall of Famers of this sport. I mean, landing that Showtime kick will for and, and the WEC against Benson Anderson will forever be a part of history. And what he was able to do on Saturday night was absolutely amazing because a lot of people had him against the wall. And, you know, obviously coming off two big wins in a row, um... He obviously over Donald Cerrone and then comes back and beats, um, what's it called? Um, you know, obviously beating Cerrone for the second time in a row. I mean, not like back to back, but he did previously fight Cerrone at 155. And that's when he landed that body shot, uh, that nasty body kick. He crumbled Cerrone. And then, you know, that was when he was real, really on fire. And then, you know, kind of pushed him towards the next one to, you know, get a shot at Benson Henderson. And that's when he um, armbarred Benson Henderson. But, yeah, since, uh, let's see, let's take a look at his Wikipedia, all right? So, I mean, he obviously saw guys like Nate Diaz, Javier Dos Anjos. So, there's two wins in a row coming against Alex Morono and Don Cerrone. Before that, he lost to Carlos Diego Ferreira. Um, by a rear naked choke, and then obviously the Nate Diaz fight, but then he knocked out Stephen Thompson. Pretty crazy, right? 
And then, you know, obviously the fight, the last few fights, I mean, the Max Holloway fight was his first fight, our second fight down at 145 pounds. I mean, he's had some notable wins. If you look at some of his wins, man, and Charles Oliveira win was on fire. He, he choked out Charles Oliveira. It's pretty crazy that he choked out a guy who's known for his submissions and deadly submissions like that. I mean, he choked out Charles Oliveira. I mean, obviously lost to Max Holloway. He beat Jim Miller, lost to Poirier, body triangle, submission hurt his rib and then he beat michael chiesa i mean he was also you know a really household name and very good guy i mean obviously had the fun fight with tony ferguson unfortunately you know um broke his hand in that fight and was unable to continue but then he comes back and knocks out stephen thompson i mean who who this is this is insane to still think about because you look at it both stephen thompson and anthony pettis had excellent fights they both won stephen thompson defeated jeff neal in amazing fashion a clear-cut unanimous decision victory um he looked great too and then you know if you look at how good wonder boy looks especially at his age he's 37 years old 57 and 0 in kickboxing are you kidding me and a guy named Showtime Pettis comes in and knocks him out. Not without adversity, though. That's for sure. I mean, Stephen Thompson, let's, let's take a look at his Wikipedia. Man, if you look at his losses in the UFC, his losses to Matt Brown, Tyron Ridley, Darren Till, and Showtime Pettis. So let, let's, let's backtrack for like five seconds. Let's go backtracking and listen and look at those last three opponents, okay? Matt Brown. Very tough as nails. Very dangerous guy. You know, a top contender who fought for a chance to fight for the title at one point in time. Okay, Tyron Woodley, former world champion. One of the only two guys to knock out Robbie Lawler. Former champion, obviously, compared. Uh, very dangerous. Compared to GSP at one point, I did see a couple of comparisons. I don't know how, how you would look at them now, but, you know, he he's beaten... Um, he's lost to Tyron Woodley, obviously. So he's lost to Tyron Woodley. He's lost to... A Matt Brown, and he's lost to Darren Till. I mean, Tyron Woodley, he lost twice. So Tyron Woodley, Matt Brown, Darren Till, and Showtime Pettis. Darren Till fight was very close. I mean, the Pettis fight, Pettis wasn't really being as successful as he could be. Then again, like, you know, obviously he was tuned up. He got busted up early in that fight by Wonderboy, but then he does that freaking Showtime shit off the cage and lands that Superman punch and fucking knocks him out cold. I mean, how did that, that that's insane, man. That that that's insane that he was able to do that. Considering the fact that how good Wonderboys looked. And fun fact, he had never been knocked out before. He's been hurt. He's been cracked. He he obviously got cracked by Allenberger, was hurt, hurt by Tyron Woodley both times. And, you know, he was able to come back and you know, obviously, go towards a unanimous decision. But when he fights Showtime, Showtime just lands a perfect fight, the, the perfect punch, on and lands right on the button, and he ends the fight. And still to this day, is one of the most impressive victories of his career. And that's an impressive victory for Showtime. So now, the ball is in his court. The ball is in his amazing first round management's court. So what what does the UFC want? The ball's in the UFC's court as well. Because you, you gotta look at all three of these people. It's up to Showtime, it's up to his management, and what sits best for him and his coaches and his family at this stage of his career. I mean, you don't see him fighting no all with all due respect to Showtime Pettis. Right now, I don't see him fighting for the title. Not because he's not a couple wins away. He could fight a couple wins and, and uh, get a couple good wins in a row and 
be contender, be a contender at 155, but realistically, where he is in his stage of his career, like I said, with all due respect, I think that like a, a bigger move for him, something bigger is on the line rather than um rather than just being in the UFC. I mean, if there's big fight, I mean, I can't really necessarily think of any fun fights outside of the UFC. I mean, he is, right? And stuff. And, you know, obviously he, he has fought for many years and fought against the best guys. And 99% of his career has been in the UFC. But, like I said, I mean, I can't think of any fun fights. I mean, uh, over in Bellator, I mean, all respects to Bellator, but... You know, there's only certain fights that you you can really make over in Bellator that are big names. I mean, if you look at the heavyweight division, I mean, you got, like, I mean, I can't really even think of the top five in the heavyweight division. Light heavyweight division, however, Bellator is doing very good. The welterweight division is very stacked. I mean, middleweight has Gegard Mousasi, obviously, I mean... You know, there's some notable names, but however, when it comes to like, you know, booking high stakes matchups every single fight card or every other fight card, they're B and C level guys. And I, I am going to get a lot of shit for this and for saying this. I know that if, if people were seeing and hearing me say this right now, people are going to be talking shit and saying, why am I saying this? But you know, Bellator has the best fighters as well you can't just have one organization that has all dominant fighters i mean there's guys all over the place that's that don't even are unfortunately are not in the ufc because you know things just haven't aligned but doesn't mean they're not bad motherfuckers that's for sure you can't deny that and um you know that's happened when you see ufc guys go over to these other organizations right we see that happen. They get slept. I mean, look at more noticeably Sage Northcutt. I mean, he beat some real good guys. I mean, and obviously not really well-known guys, but he, he was a talent in the UFC and he was able to win in the UFC. You know, obviously he went to another organization and then boom, we see what happened. Got his face broke. I mean, there's been a lot of guys. I mean, Ryan Bader went over there, became a two-division champion, went through a heavyweight tournament, steamed through. Beat the brakes off Fedor Emelianenko. Big win for him. Look where he's at now. I mean, obviously lost the light heavyweight title. But he still has the heavyweight title. And, you know, he, he's a good heavyweight. He's dominated heavyweight. So, interesting to see it. And there's lots of different guys over in Bellator. But, you know, as all these UFC guys who are ending their contracts, getting offers. You know, they're, they're big pickups for Bellator and anyone else that gets these UFC guys who's had amazing careers in the UFC like a Showtime Pettis. If Showtime was going over to Bellator, that would be a classic duo. I mean, there's some fun fights for him. I mean, I really don't know. I mean, I just think that the Showtime brothers, or not the Showtime brothers, excuse me, the Pettis brothers are over at Bellator. I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, especially with Sergio Pettis being over there looking good. I mean, I'm pretty sure we can throw... Um, Showtime Pettis in there with the, with the best of the best. I mean, you got the the Pitbull brothers. I mean, we got Benson Anderson. Even though he's fought Benson Anderson and beat Benson Anderson twice, first time finish, second time was a decision. And um, yeah, I mean, there I'm pretty sure you can find something. 
I mean, who's the champion over in Bellator at lightweight? I mean, Pettis, honestly, where Pettis is at right now, in my opinion, if he were to go over to like a Bellator and end up not signing with the UFC, I'd say he can become a champion. Easy. Easily. Especially with that new sports psychologist that he's been seeing. I don't know, like, say he doesn't end up in the UFC anymore. I know it was a UFC-issued psychologist, sports psychologist. Would he continue to have connections with them, or how would it go? I mean, it seems the best-case scenario for him is just to continue winning in the UFC and looking fantastic. I mean, obviously, he had that three-fight losing skid at one point in time, but ever since then, it was like win, 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 then lose, win, win, lose. And, you know, his losses weren't bad. I mean, it was just, you know, the Tony Ferguson one, he broke his hand. And Max Holloway, when he just got worn down, I mean, that was a, you know, that's kind of like the worst kind of guy to fight. <laughs> if you want to talk about pace, not that Showtime can't keep a good pace. That, just, that was just a bad fight for him at 145. I mean, he hadn't really fought at 145 that much. You know, he previously fought and made 145 the second time. Then boom, you know, you see him fighting for the title in the second fight at 145 pounds. I mean, the, the win over Charles Oliveira was very impressive, though. Don't get me wrong. No, you can't take back history. But anyways, guys. Um, so congrats to Showtime Pettis. Got the job done. Who else got the job done? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I guess we can go from... That was kind of like the co-main event for me. But we can go from that. Obviously, we got the co-main event that happened. It was a fantastic, another fantastic performance by a true veteran. Also, another amazing performance by another former champion who's had a long list, a long legacy as well. Jose Aldo getting the job done against Chito Vera. He wins by unanimous decision. A lot of people thought that fight was closer than it was... Uh, deemed on the scorecards, but in the end, Jose Aldo pulls off the veteran move and goes has a takedown and has Marlon Vera's back for probably like half of that last third, uh, that third round, and, you know, it was a very close fight, obviously, um, could have gone either way, you know, had Tito picked up the pace a little bit more, but, um, you know, it was an amazing fight by both men, it was a close fight, it, it, it was very close, Um, I'm looking at the comments on here. Thirty twenty seven for Aldo. I mean, so like I mean, obviously, like I said, I thought Aldo did enough, more than enough. I mean, he utilized the grappling. I just feel like he was a lot more busy and he landed a lot more significant strikes. Am I wrong for saying that? I mean, did you guys were you guys as ex excited as psyched as I was to see the return of the late kicks, man? For like the longest time, I mean, in his last few fights. Let me look at his like last few fights, and I can probably like deem and gauge which fights I remember him not using his leg kicks on. And his last one, I mean, the Piotr Jan one. I, I think if he would have won, used a. Uh, what is it called? Uh, his leg kicks. That would have 
you know, been a little bit better. I mean, he can't just attack with boxing, man. I mean, his all his 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 boxing is phenomenal, but his bread and butter is his leg kicks. I mean, do you guys remember the Uriah Faber fight? I remember seeing that on social media earlier, um, last couple days. Oh, Uriah Faber's the 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 fight and some highlights, and then you saw Uriah Faber's red ass leg after that fight, dude. It was crazy, and oh my goodness, I didn't realize that. Jose Aldo's first win and since losing three in a row. You know, had he lost to Marlon Vera, he probably would have had his UFC walking papers, unfortunately. But, you know, he gets the job done and he looks good doing it. He looks like the classic Jose Aldo and initiating some takedowns, getting Marlon Vera's back, you know, going for chokes, rear naked chokes multiple times. I mean, being the brakes, I mean, he beat the brakes off of, uh, before that, you got to look, you got to look at Jose Aldo's handiwork in his last seven fights. I mean, look, Marlon Vera, Piotr Jan, Marlon Marias, Alexander Volkanovsky, Hanato Moincano, Jeremy Stevens, Max Holloway twice, and then Frankie Edgar. So his win, his last win after the Connor loss, it was against Frankie Edgar. He wins. He go. He he goes down to fight Max Holloway two times. He loses unfortunately two times. And uh, you know the Max Holloway fight was when he lost. The first Max Holloway fight was when he lost his belt. Then he he gets his rematch. He loses again to Max. Then he comes back, beats. Jeremy Stevens, that vicious body shot, and then he beat Moicano by TKO. Then he went fought Alexander Volkanovsky, who's went who went on to fight for the world title against Max. He lost a decision to Alexander. Then he comes back. A lot of people thought he won against Marlon Moraes. It was a split decision loss. So let's just say Jose won that one, and then obviously lost to Piotr Jan. Wow, he lost in the fifth round. I forgot that he lost in the fifth round. I gotta rewatch that fight. Was that was that a close fight? I don't really remember, but you know, I know I know a lot of people say he looks shitty in there, so I mean I don't know. I gotta go back and watch that one. So overall, Jose hasn't I mean he hasn't been slept in any other fight. I mean the only loss he has by TKO other than the Peter Yan one was the oh obviously I mean, you can't really say he hasn't really, but you know, it was two out of two uh, three win three of his losses, excuse me. Were uh by TKO. I mean, if you look at um in his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine fights, nine fights, he's been finished four times. Four times. Pierre Yan fight, then obviously the Connor fight, thirteen seconds, and then. Before that, you know, realistically, we should just base this off the past, not the past. But the recent pass, okay. So out of his three fights, one one of them he was stopped. And it went to the fifth round. All credit to Aldo for it going to the fifth round. Um before that, obviously a lot of people thought he won against Marlon, so he could be like, okay, so he's he's won Jeremy Stevens. He beat Moncano, obviously lost to Volkanovsky right after that, but you know, out of out of those last one, two, three, four, five fights. He was three and two, which isn't that good. Three and two is better than two and two or three and three. But he got the job done, and I thought he beat Marlon Mariah. So let's take that one away. The, the main thing is Josie Aldo looked amazing. He looked great. He utilized grappling. He didn't get tired. Um, 
And he got the job done against Marlon Vera by unanimous decision. It was a close fight, but at the end of it, Jose Aldo did enough to win the round significantly, so it wasn't a robbery. I don't know why Chito Vera put his uh, hands up, I guess, if he got the win or anything like that, but it it was a, a job well done by Jose Aldo. And, you know, obviously that wasn't his last fight in the contract. So, you know, we got a pair of guys. We got a, we got a pair of two former world champions that looked absolutely amazing. We got Showtime Pettis, who looked absolutely amazing, and Jose Aldo. And Steven Thompson. However, Steven Thompson was the one person who wasn't a champion, but was a veteran-like fighter and one of the older fighters on the roster. Older than both Showtime and Jose Aldo, just to note, 37 years old. Nearing 40, three more years or so. Is, hey, Siri, how old is Stephen Thompson? Stephen Thompson is 37 years old. See, Siri knows everything. <laughs> 30, yep, 37 years old. Fact check, fact check. Fact check. That's what I like about the new iPhone, the newer iPhone that I got, man. It, it, Siri hears me perfectly. Hey, Siri. I can say with like the lowest tone and she would get it. She's kind of loud though. So let's turn her down a little bit. But yeah, so Stephen Thompson being the only one. 37 years old. Hasn't, I mean, he's fought for a title twice. He's been in main events. He's looked good. And he's continued to look good. So like we said, we got a pair of three, three guys who looked absolutely amazing. But Stephen Thompson and Showtime Pettis were the only ones that were coming off of wins, actually. So Pettis was coming off the win over Cerrone. And Stephen Thompson was coming off the win over Vicente Luque. He was just out for a year because he broke his hand. But he pieced Luque up. And that wasn't an easy fight for him at all. But, hey, at the end of the day, he got the job done. So well done to all those guys, man. Let's continue to go down the list. Uh, from Jose Aldo versus Marlon Vera. To what? What was it? It was a third fight, wasn't it? There was a. There's something we are missing. There's something that I was going to talk about, and it's not gonna slip my mind because I am looking this shit up as we are speaking. Okay. All right. All right. So, um, Michelle Pajara looked good against uh, Chaos Williams. I mean, I'm really not a fan of Chaos Williams. I mean, he has gotten some job, uh, got the job done. You know, two wins in under a minute in his last two fights before Pajera. But, you know, I kind of thought the way people are talking about him was like, you know, way too, way too overrated at, at that point in time. I mean, Michelle Pajera is very good. And you look at the amount of fights that Pajera has. And if I'm not mistaken, him and Steven Thompson and probably Jose Aldo, but overall, fights on paper i'd say stephen thompson's probably the all-time leader so it's probably michelle Bahera, jose aldo and um stephen thompson that are leading with the experience in fights i mean 57 plus fights in kickboxing for stephen thompson he's in 57 and no ladies and gentlemen so he's never been knocked out so that makes the showtime pettis knockout loss for stephen thompson even more special if you're a showtime pettis quickly quick little side note um so who are we looking at? Duran Wynn gets the job done. Um, Pani Kenzad beats Sajaro Eubanks at women's bantamweight. Rob Font. How can we forget Rob Font, man? I, was, I can't, can't really see these pictures. But, dude, how can we forget the homie Rob Font? The serious OG, the bad motherfucker. Um, uh, What is it? Where, where's Rob Font? From Boston? Yeah, Boston. Boston's Rob Font, baby. Rob Font gets the job done. He stops Marias by TKO. Very impressive, man. I thought it was a kind of overall pretty competitive fight. 
in Marlon. Any fight that Marlon's in, all respects to Marlon. Um, he makes every single fight a hard one before. I mean, he gave Henry Cejudo problems. I mean, obviously, um, lost very quickly in the Corey Sanhagen fight. Not obviously not. Very quickly, he lost in the second round, but, you know, he got finished in that one, and he's gotten finished in those ones. So, um, you know, if you look at his career in the UFC so far, I mean, I mean, he's just, it feels like he's been fighting in the UFC for quite some time now. I'm still not 150% uh, used to him just yet because he, I feel like he hasn't had a lot of fights, but he has. Is that crazy to say? So he's fought Rafael Sunsal twice, John Dotson, Aljamain Sterling, Jimmy Rivera came back, submitted Rafael Santao, barely beat Jose Aldo, and obviously lost to Henry Cejudo. So four out of his last, uh, out of his last four, he's lost three of his last four. So three of his last four, obviously his recent win coming over Jose Aldo, and that was back at UFC 245, December 14, 2019. So other than that, he's coming off of two stoppage losses in a row. Does he, does he get rid of, of Marlon Marais? Interesting to think about with all these cuts. So it sucks for him, but damn, it's good for Rob Font. I don't remember Rob Font's last fight. Is that bad? Man, I've been following Rob. Rob Font follows me on Twitter, too. Rob Font coming off of three wins in a row. I mean, the Sergio Pettis fight. That was a great win for him. He looked great in that fight. I remember that watching that one. The Ricky Simone fight, he looked good. And this one obviously comes off a win by TKO. And his last win over TKO was against Thomas Almeida back at UC 220 in 2018. Now he comes back. He beats his, uh, not a surging Marlon Marias. It's Marlon Marias coming off of a... A couple, what was it? A couple losses in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, a couple losses. Oh no, a, a loss to Corey Sanhagen, and you know, arguably, could be facing three losses in a row had he not won against Josie Aldo. So it's a big win, and it's amazing for him to win the way he won, in impressive fashion, and it's an overall big win for Rob Font. So that puts Rob Font right up there. At this, at this 135-pound division. The 135-pound division in the UFC is absolutely stacked. I mean, Aljamain Sterling, Piotr Jan. Now we got Jose Aldo in the mix. Corey Sanhagen, Rafael Asuncao. I mean, Cody Garbrandt, if he wants to return to 135, you know, arguably does belong to 135. I mean... Then Pedro Munoz, big name up there. I mean, there's a lot of good guys, man. If, if you want to just look up the UFC Bantamweight division, just in case we uh, forgot anybody, but that division is stacked. So there's a lot of good guys, man, with all these guys winning, um, with Henry Cejudo not being in the mix. I mean, if Henry Cejudo does come back, then damn, dude, that's going to be uh, – that's going to be uh, one hell of a fucking division. Especially, I mean, I feel like he is coming – uh, if he does come back, I had to. I would have to say he comes back and he fights Volkanovski for the title. He's been calling his name for a while. So, I mean, if Andy Cejudo comes back, I think that's a fight for him. Not necessarily down at one hundred and thirty-five pounds, nor one hundred twenty-five. That's for sure. Um, so, like I said, Bantamweight. Right, let's check this out. So we got Aljamain Sterling at the top. 
number one contender. Corey Sanhagen, number two. Marlon Marias was number three. He probably will drop now due to the fact that Rob Font just beat him. Cody Garbrandt still ranked at 135. He's ranked at number four. Frankie Edgar at number five. Pedro Munoz, number six. Jose Alden, number seven. Probably will rise up. Jimmy Rivera, eight. Rafael Santos, nine. Number 10, Dominic Cruz. So Rob Font will probably vault into like number seven. Jose Aldo will probably go up. Marlon Moraes will call, go down. Dominic Cruz will probably go up too. So, um, it'll be interesting. That'll be interesting to see how how they rank that. I know they're probably going to be working on the rankings probably tomorrow. So we'll see that and we'll see how that uh, ends up going. But yeah, man, Rob Font getting the job done, man. Rob fucking Font. Jesus Christ, he looked good. That was a good one, man. But it, it wasn't obviously without adversity. But, uh, yeah, Rob Font follows me. <laughs> Out of 535 other people, I'm the one person he follows on there. So that's awesome, man. So, um, congrats to him. What else do we got? Um, honorable mention Marcin Tibura defeats Greg Hardy by TKO. Um, how quickly was it? Uh, round, round two, and uh, a lot of people seem to be happy for that, but I'm not the type of person that roots for people's demise. I don't enjoy people losing. I don't enjoy celebrating someone's loss due to the fact that you don't know them, and obviously you look at their past, but everyone that has had a rough past like that is, is given a, not given a pass, but if they're doing something to improve their life and their quality of the way that they live and they're trying to improve their life for the better, then you have my props. So uh, salute to Greg Hardy. Great uh, win by Marcin Tybura. Greg Hardy's still very green in the sport and very young in the sport, so has a lot of room to grow. I mean, there's 40-year-old, 50-year-old men boxing nowadays, so you think Greg Hardy at his age can't get something done. I, I guarantee you he will be back. Um, very devastating loss, but... He has the best team, coaches, and people around him at American Top Team, and my faith is, and on him being back better than ever. Uh, moving along, all right, how about this? Um, these motherfuckers are delaying packages. What's up with that? Huh? I ordered something on Walmart, the little adapter piece, because um, probably with the old iPhone I had, the 6 Plus, I had a 6 Plus. And I had bought some new headphones because I didn't want I didn't want the headphones that go into where the charging port was. I don't know. They were cheaper or something like that. Oh, I seen some and they were like 20 bucks or something like that at the time. And I was like, I don't want to fucking pay for those. And I found some cheaper online on Walmart. They're Apple, too. And I got them and they had the little the headphone jack, the little metal jack that goes in the bottom. But the new iPhone I bought, like now that I have it. It doesn't have the jack, so I had to buy the little piece. So basically, what I went to buy on order on Walmart.com was a little piece, the little uh, adapter piece. So like if you you can plug your headphone jack or any headphones that have a jack into that piece, either the Apple piece or yeah, they have like an Apple piece, so you can use Apple headphones in Android. Sometimes I'd use them in there, but I use them more so on the iPhone. But yeah, so I'll plug them into that. Now, that's the piece I was looking for anyways. Let's get to the point. Um, the package has still been delayed because of, you know, it's the holidays and everything's backed up and it's super busy and COVID and everything else under the sun. So I end up getting the piece at the store instead and... Um, I want my refund. It's only like nine bucks or something like that. But 
I want my $9 back. I work hard for that motherfucking shit. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I said, Christmas is in five days. So, I mean, a lot of people haven't even gone, haven't finished going shopping from at least the people that I've talked to haven't, hasn't fully gone shopping. I mean, I haven't even finished mine. I mean, some of the gifts I'm going to get are after Christmas and stuff like that. Well, the gifts that I'm going to get for other people are half. I got a couple of them so far, but other than that, I really haven't gotten any of them. But, um, yeah, I mean, for New Year's as well, New Year's is coming up. So that's going to be, uh, New Year's is coming up. How long is that? How long do we got till New Year's? What am I doing on New Year's? I don't know necessarily. I'm probably going to have a good time. That's for sure. Get fucked up. We're gonna have a good time party. Yeah, we're gonna have fun on New Year's New Year's Day as well. So I don't know. Do I have to work on New Year's? I think it's just New Year's Eve. Is it considered a holiday? Let me ask. I'm gonna ask my I'm gonna ask my boss later. Well we'll see. Um but anyways, what else we got here on the show? How long have we been here? We're damn, we've been talking for forty five minutes. By this time I, I guarantee a lot of people listening to this probably be like, Whoa, it doesn't even feel like you've been talking for that long. But we've had a lot to talk about. And there, there's still much more, I think, you no know, fight things to talk about that are recently coming up and some things that um that are trending. Let's see. We got some fight announcements, though. Speaking of Corey Sanhagen, he's set to fight Frankie Edgar in the main event. I think, is it is it the main event? Wait, wait, no. I don't know if it's the main event. I shouldn't have said that, sorry. Um, the main event, I don't know. It's added to UFC Fight Night on February 6th, a Bantamweight. That's a big fight. That's a huge fight. That's one of those fights that we're talking about earlier. If it's not uh, Alex Morono versus Showtime Pettis, it's uh, Frank Yeager versus Corey Sanhagen. And that will be a very, very, I mean, that will really, really show you where where Frankie Edgar is at. Because if Frankie Edgar is able to uh, pull out a victory over Corey Sanhagen, and the only other guy to beat him at that weight class right now as of late has been, uh, has been, uh, what is it? Algerman Sterling, yeah, he took him down, he grappled with him, and he choked him out. But other than that, I mean, his unorthodox kicks, he's so jerky, herky-jerky kind of. He's in and out, he has freaking elusive footwork, looks absolutely excellent when he moves. Some of the best footwork I've seen at that weight class. And you know, obviously, like I said, uh, very flashy I mean, the win over Marias was absolutely insane. I mean, say what you want if he'll stop too early or anything else like that. But he he put off against um he put amazing performance put up amazing performance against Marlon Marias. I mean, everyone seems to look good against Marlon Marias. I'd say the least amazing performance that that um someone's had has probably been Henry Cejudo. It was at least at least highlight real wise because you look at how pieced up Henry Cejudo was getting early on in that fight. But you know, you look at the the Rob Font win over Marlon, you look at the um and you look at the one that just happened. Yeah, the Rob Font one. And then you look at Sanhagen's performance. Absolutely amazing. He looked great. Um I think it's a very, very tough fight for uh for uh Frankie Edgar, obviously, like I said, with all elusive footwork and stuff like that. But if you look at the career of Frankie Edgar, a former UFC, um, it's crazy to say, former UFC lightweight champion, former UFC, Frankie Edgar, the former, I'm, I'm just going to sit here and try to say that. Frankie Edgar, the former UFC lightweight champion. 
Now he's fighting at 135 at the last leg of his career. That's crazy to say. He's been legitimate for so long. He's looked good. Um, how, how many fights has Frankie won? We're talking about a lot, a lot of quality fight stuff today. So really excited about that. Like I said, we have one more show to, uh, one more show not today, but we have one more show of 2020, and we're gonna have that with Ashwin. So that will be good. Um, Frankie Edgar, Frankie James Edgar. Here we go. Former UFC lightweight champion, 39 years old, still doing the damn thing. All right, mixed martial arts record. The last win coming over Pedro Munoz, and before that, obviously he lost to Max Holloway, and Chan Sung Jung. Has it been necessarily active, that active as a late? Two fights in 2018, one fight, two thousand, two fights in 2019, and um, one fight in 2020. And obviously, like I said, his last few, well, let's say like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Wait, one, two, three, four, five, six. Wait, no, no, I'm just going to count his losses. Fuck all that other shit. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, seven. So seven losses and one, two. Sixteen fights. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten wins. Well, no. 10 wins, like, basically, he's won more than he's lost, but his last couple, his last win was a split decision, and before that, he was finished by Chance Jung, and then he lost, obviously, for the title against Max Holloway, so, um, very curious to see how Frank Yeager does, because it is an interesting fight, I mean, against a number one contender, I mean, I'm surprised, I'm not gonna be surprised if Frank Yeager finishes him in impressive fashion, I mean, look at the win, look at the, um, Look at the the way that they fight, man. As a young, hungry contender, but then Frankie could pull up the big bro shit and really piece San Hagen up. I mean, I don't really know where Frankie can win. Maybe if he takes a fight to the ground. But Frankie, for the, like the longest time, was known about and known for his pace. He was known for his cardio and his willingness to never stop. His heart. His determination. He gets cracked. He get right back up. You know he's been hurt with the Benson Anderson Benson Anderson fight. Let me think of another fight where he was hurt. I mean, the Great Manor fights early on. He came back to win those. He's looked great. I mean, he's defied the odds many times. Obviously, I remember one of the first fights. I really, you know, it's gonna sound crazy because I've I've gone back since then and long long time since then. But you know, one of the first fights I really, you know, I was very young at the first time when Frankie first fought. And was fighting early on, but when he fought in Japan, that fight against Benson Henderson was extra big in Japan. It was an excellent, fun fight in Japan. I really enjoyed it. I mean, that was the one where he busted Frankie Edgar's nose up, and he lost, unfortunately. And a lot of people thought he lost the, the Benson Henderson lost the second one. He ends up going home with the belt. Frankie doesn't have a belt. Frankie drops to one forty-five. He fights Josie Aldo. He loses. But he went on a little run at 145. I mean, he, he got the win over the um, Jeremy Stevens and beat the fuck out of Yair Rodriguez. Lost to, uh oh, wait, 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 before that, actually. So, yeah, so let's see. My, I skipped a little bit. I was 
talking about his recent losses, but you know, he after he lost to Benson Anderson the second time, he like I said, he dropped to 145, lost to Jose Aldo, then went to beat Charles Oliveira, went to beat BJ Penn again, beat Cup Swanson by submission, beat Uriah Faber by decision, and knocked out Chad Mendes. Then he lost to Jose Aldo again at UFC 200. Then went on to beat Jeremy Stevens, went on to beat Yara Rodriguez, lost to Ortega, beat Cup Swanson, lost to Holloway, lost to Chan Sun Jung, and just beat Pedro Munoz. So I'd say Frankie Edgar still in, obviously, the win, uh, obviously still in the mix. I mean, like I said, all he needs is a win over Sanhagen, even. Even, obviously, at the stage of his career, easier said than done. If he gets a win over Sanhagen, then that can be, you know, that vaults him right up there. Give him the next title shot. Have Frankie Edgar and Josie Aldo run it back at 135 to really see who the man is. I mean, both fights weren't competitive. They were competitive, don't get me wrong. They weren't walks in the park for Josie Aldo both times. But a third fight at a different weight class, two weight classes below. Or no, wait, one weight class below. Because, like like I said, for the longest time, for, for me, I thought because Josie Aldo had a lot of problems making 145 pounds, I thought maybe he would be one to go up a weight class rather than go down. So him going down to 135 was super shocking, but... I'm not mad at a a a, 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 a I was gonna say a rematch, but it's not a rematch because Jose Aldo beat Frankie Edgar twice. Now another thing that's been in the news. Speaking of Jose Aldo, just sparked my brain, just sparked my interests right now is the fact that um they're all calling out T.J. Dillashaw, who former UFC champion by the way, who's. Uh, suspension is up next month, so everybody's getting on the list. Rob Font, um. Not, I mean, not Cody Garbrandt, Rob Font. I mean, Cub Swanson, not Cub Swanson, excuse me. I'm listing people that are TJ Dillashaw's training partners. But a couple of people, Josie Aldo, Rob Font. I mean, everyone is chomping at the bit to fight TJ Dillashaw. I mean, TJ Dillashaw responded with a little classic quote. The only reason why they're calling me out because they know it's my belt and a lot of people are roasting him. I mean, Sean O'Malley wants to fight him as well. And, um... He's just amazing. Uh, let's see, TJ Dillashaw. Let's pull up his Twitter. Let's see what he said. Uh, yep. He said, I heard everybody's calling me out because they all know it's my belt. And then people are uh, looking at him, looking at it. Uh, you know, obviously in the comments. Nowadays, in this trash talk era, you know, oh, like, oh, the um, here comes the O'Malley people. Especially when Chito Vera lost. All the Sean O'Malley fans, all the Sean O'Malley comments, and, you know, Sean O'Malley. First things first, Sean O'Malley declares he's still undefeated. Second off, that's not true. Third off, you lost. He got calf kicked. Is nerved. Obviously, they seem to have problems with that in previous fights. But Chito Vera beat him. And he beat him in impressive fashion, regardless of what you say about the stoppage or anything. Obviously, I think even if that fight would have continued, that that fight would have went worse for O'Malley as time went on because his leg. And then Chito Vera, we would essentially have been fighting Chito Vera on one one fight, one fucking leg, and probably would have got finished in more impressive fashion, probably. But Sean O'Malley should be glad that that fight didn't go on when it comes to the fight with Chito Vera. So how about that? Um... Ooh, how about me firing some all firing on all cylinders when it comes to defending um, Chito Vera? But yeah, so everyone's talking about oh, use PEDs because this or that, and you're juicing still lost to Henry Cejudo. Um, you know, 
the thing is, TJ, I mean, I'm not defending him on any accounts whatsoever. I'm 100% against, obviously, PEDs, especially if you're a clean athlete and you're fighting against someone who's on performance enhancers. Obviously, I'm very, very against it. I've been against it for so long, but facts are where facts lie. TJ openly admitted that he, the reason why, he didn't say, oh, we're get to the bottom of this. I unknowingly took a substance. No, he said that he wanted to win so bad. I mean, he did technically cheat. That's cheating. He wanted to win so badly against Cejudo. He only used it to make the the drop to 125 is not because he needed it because of skill and you don't use steroids to improve your skill use it to maybe improve your endurance your power and stuff and your performances i mean obviously using steroids and performance enhancing when it comes to training can he can pause for a huge pose for a huge problem excuse me but you know he wanted it so he can make the weight you know, if if he would have said something else and came up with a shitty shitty reason why he used them and it didn't add up, I mean, if he's just trying to make the weight, then God forbid he was trying to win and he still lost. So all uh, all hail Henry Cejudo for getting the job done. So that should put a, a, a dink in the plan. So there shouldn't really be a discussion or a discussion here about that. But all the PED comments, I mean, realistically, with or without PEDs, I still believe he would um, obviously be one of the best. I mean, for fuck's sakes, if, if not, then bam, I will be wowed completely until the end of the fucking time. But damn, I mean, there's a debate on whether or not he was using PEDs before that, before USADA. I mean, I don't necessarily believe. I don't really know. But again, it's a fight game. Anything's pretty, probably pretty dirty nowadays. You you don't really even know what's going on. So I could say one thing and be completely wrong about it. So I'm not gonna really sit here and really. I'm gonna stay in my lane when it comes to that. But I can openly say and just you know right now I just think in my head that he wasn't, and I believe that he was using him just so he can make that weight to be able to fight a guy like Cejudo and try to make history and get rid of that division and win the belt. And all that, but realistically, looking at the division now, it's like, damn, so much has happened since TJ Dillashaw's been gone. I mean, we got Divas and Figueroa, the champion, looking good, looked good against, I mean, looked good against Alex Perez, and then fought on to win a, uh, not win a draw, but go fought on to a draw against uh, with a, uh, what's his name, Brandon Moreno. So I mean, flyweight division still here, very pumping, looking very good. Um, obviously TJ Dillashaw is planning to return to 135, but there's still a lot of fun fights for him. I mean, obviously I think he belongs in a main event fight, whether again, whether it's against O'Malley, whether it's against Josie Aldo. I mean, a lot of people seem very attached to the Josie Aldo fight for him. So I don't know necessarily what that, what, if that one will be the one to do it. Let me quickly write my notes down. And then I think that's it, unless we got anything else left here on the show. Appreciate you guys for joining us quickly. Like I said, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at KWTKPod, G the King Official on Instagram, and G the King MMA on Twitter. Also, click the link in my bio. It directs you to my Insta bio that has all my social media, all the podcasts, social media, and everything under the sun, all things that have to do with me and the podcast, all listed in the Insta bio and my Instagram, as well as my my twitter so follow the link and takes you directly to where you need to go and obviously if you have all the apps downloaded on your phone it directly takes you to it if you um if you click the link so let me quickly write the notes down so what do we talk about today but quickly like as i was writing my notes we'll end the show with this last thing we're in 
with talking about obviously like going back to Stephen Thompson's big win over Jeff Neal. You know, obviously Jeff Neal, promising prospect. I mean, knocked out Mike Perry. I mean, has had some amazing wins. His win over Frank Camacho, head kick knockout. I mean, he's had some amazing wins. And he was one of those guys that's on a quick rise. You know, you look at the guys like Joaquin Buckley. Kevin Holland, we got Jeff Neal up there. I mean, these guys are the future, and these guys are obviously promising prospects and future contenders and future champions, all, you know, wanting to make that next big step. For Jeff Neal, the next big step was Wonderboy. Unfortunately, he didn't get the job done, but a lot of respects to him for taking the fight. And moving forward for him, obviously, I think he can win his next few and you know, still be very exci- fun and fighting, fun fighting and exciting kind of person that obviously a lot of people still be very excited for. However, for Wonder Boy, now, obviously, like I said, he got those title fights against Woodley. He came up short. Obviously, they fought to the draw. The draw. And since then, he hasn't fought for the title. He's been out. He's been injured. But I mean, Usman's up there now as, as the world champion in I had thought about this one, like, not that long ago. I was just sitting there thinking how Wonderboy would do against Usman with great takedown defense, good distance, very accurate with his feet. And, you know, he's, I mean, with the kicks and stuff and the punches that are, you know, more so with the kicks and, you know, his sideways stance. It's going to be interesting to see how Usman will get his hands on him, more, more so strike with them because, you know, Wonderboy is going to be in and out and he's going to be moving side to side and using all his phenomenal footwork. And that karate style is really something that Usman hasn't really seen in the form of Wonderboy. I mean, you can get all the training partners you want. You can prepare for, for it however you want. But at the end of it, you know, it's only until you get in there you really know what it's going to feel like so i think that'd be interesting man that'd be very very interesting but um also hinted at a rematch with jorge masvidal so really realistically what they said was the nf m n m f against the bmf jorge masvidal baddest motherfucker against the nicest motherfucker rematch for him i mean obviously he beat masvidal pretty handily back when they first fought I mean, it's a big money fight, especially it'll be a bigger fight now because if you look at the superstardom of Mazadal and where he's been able to gravitate since the win over Ben Askren and you know, the knockout over Darren Till and then the performance of the night against Nate Diaz when he won the belt. I mean, you know, since then, but, uh, Masvidal has been on, on fire. And obviously, you look at like his lone losses, you know, the Usman loss, he took on short notice. And then um, before that, you know, obviously, like he said, he was handedly, pretty handedly beaten by Stephen Thompson. So, I mean, that's, that's a big rematch fight. Um, that That's something... That I'm, I'm writing the notes still. It's a big fight, man. It, it, it would be a good one. I mean, I feel like 2021 will pose for a lot of big fights. I mean, because we know, obviously, with this COVID stuff going around, the UFC has been obviously very, you know, they've been very good with the testing and, you know, quarantining and making sure you got all the results. And, you know, they were able to get Kevin Holland back. I don't know if he said uh, he had a false positive or something like that. But he was able to return super quick. But the USC has been super solid with all the testing and, you know, 
keeping everybody safe and you know obviously if they need to pull off fights and keep people safe and they'll do that and then if they have to stay in the hotels for however long they need to stay in the hotels until they have uh no negative or ne no positive tests then that's what they need to do but like i said overall at the top of it the ufc has been absolutely solid when it comes to how they handle the fighters and all the corona stuff that's everything that's going on but yeah so not every single fight's promised that's the thing we can't look at it like that but overall what they've been doing overall has a positivity rate basically like you know i'd say probably 90 percent probably 90 90 percent everything has gone pretty well for the ufc so i'm 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 certain and fortunate that we will get that and i think we'll get that fight in 2021 so i mean overall with the vaccines being rolled out and if they're really as safe as they say and you know, all the world could somewhat turn a little bit more normal for in the year next year and then we get a lot of amazing and excellent fights moving forward so i think obviously wonder boy if he doesn't fight him if he doesn't fight Masvidal next, I don't know who who he should fight next. Um, but I I thought about him versus Usman, and I thought that would be an excellent fight. It might be a little too early to say and declare that that should be the next fight. But, you know, we can only tell from the future on. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is the second to last episode of the year. Um, damn, you know what's crazy that... Um, we don't even have, like, I don't know. We don't really have to participate in that. You know, that's something else that everybody else does. But, like, fighter of the year, performance of the year. I mean, we can just literally sit and how about, like, add it to the notes probably for the next episode, the next and final one that we're having with uh, with our our guest. Oh, what is this? Why did I forget? No, no, Ashwin. Yeah, it was Ashwin. Never mind. Yeah, so, um, you know, it will be interesting. You know, maybe get his, thought, his thoughts on who who some of the breakthrough fighters of the year we're going to do a couple of uh little notes and stuff i'm gonna write some notes down right when we get off the show and you know obviously after i publish it and produce it you know via anchor thanks to anchor and shout out to the team over at anchor for handling everything um so amazingly so handedly and stuff like that um they do the best um But yeah, so that that will be good. Um, but that's everything we got, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, that's everything we've got. But we were gonna talk about like the, like I said, for the upcoming episode, the final episode of twenty twenty. We will we'll talk about you know, some of the greatest moments of twenty twenty. Obviously, we try to find the light when you're in the dark. So if you try to find positive stuff over negative things, that's better than looking at the negatives, right? So we got the, the positives of 2020 and the positive fight, some of the best fights, some of the best moments and stuff like that and, and so on. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you guys for joining us. And we won't we will be here, obviously, one more time before Christmas. And then other, other than that, happy holidays. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, KWTKPod. Like I said, going to use both accounts for the Twitter, Instagram as well as my own so we'll continue to be active on those appreciate everybody that's tuning in listening to all the shows everybody that's reached out and can't wait for this episode it's gonna be a good another good one um enjoy obviously and enjoy every single um talk about the jake paul stuff we'll talk about that and on the next episode or another episode in the future it means calling everybody out left and right i mean having answers for everybody someone tries to talk shit boom he just you know roasts everybody and 
you know, he responded to Chris Weidman, responded to just every little bit of everybody, man. I can't even think about it. He responded to everybody, but Jake Paul's on fire when it comes to, you know, on at war with the MMA world right now. But anyways, guys, like I said, appreciate you all for joining us here. D- DJ, turn it up. D- DJ, turn it up. Hope you guys enjoy the intro song and the exit song for our motherfucking podcast, baby. So it's Gabriel Hernandez signing off. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said, follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks to Anchor. Thanks to Spotify, everyone, for producing, publishing, and making this podcast available and free exclusively for the motherfucking fans of Kicking It With The King podcast, folks. We're out of this, bitch. Bye, folks. So DJ turn me up, DJ turn me up. Yeah. I like my music loud, so DJ turn me up, DJ turn me up. Yeah. I like my music loud, so DJ turn me up, DJ turn me up. Yeah. I like my music loud, so DJ turn me up, DJ turn me up. Gonna get hit, musical loudest, nigga with hits. If I hop on it, then do what you get. I just go in like the fit with switch. I come to party, gonna get hit, musical loudest, nigga with hits. If I hop on it, then do what you get. I just go in like the fit with switch.